It's good to be back in 1 Samuel this morning. So if you're turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9, this morning we're going to talk about a man with a problem. He had this problem. His father had lost some donkeys. And so he sends his son on a wild donkey chase. Kind of reminds me of a story of a man who had a big problem on the job work site. He reported the accident, and he was trying to be helpful on the job. And so he wrote out, wrote out the accident report, and he says, well, when it got to the building, I found a hurricane had knocked off some bricks all around the top. So I rigged up a beam and a pulley and put it up to the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels of bricks. When I had fixed the damaged area, there were a lot of bricks left over. And then I went to the bottom and began releasing the line. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was much heavier than I was. And before I knew it, the barrel started coming down, jerking me up. I decided to hang on since I was too far off the ground by then to jump. And halfway up, I met the barrel of bricks coming down rather fast. I received a hard blow on my shoulder. And then I continued to the top, banging my head against the beam, and getting my fingers pinched and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground hard, it burst its bottoms, allowing the bricks to spill out. Now, I was heavier than the barrel. So I started down again at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up fast and received several injuries to my shins. Then I, I hit the ground and I landed on a pile of split, spilled bricks, getting several painful cuts and deep bruises. At this point, I must have lost presence of mind because I let go of the grip on the line and the barrel came down fast, giving me another blow to the head and putting me in the hospital. I am requestfully requesting sick leave. <laughs> you know, does anybody today here have any problems? Any problems? Anybody? Difficulties that won't go away. They just don't go away. Or something or someone that you're worried about or at odds with. Things that just aren't quite going your way. Uh, do you have some pressing needs? They might be financial needs. They could be physical needs. They could be emotional needs. They could be social needs. I'd venture to say that every one of us have problems today. Because life, life's full of problems, isn't it? And in today's passage, we're going to encounter a man whose problems lead him to a surprise encounter that literally changes his life forever. That man's name is Saul, and he will be Israel's first king. So we're in chapter 9, but let's refresh ourselves because we've been in our Christmas series for the last couple of weeks that Pastor Aaron has brought us through. Let's go back to chapter 8 and kind of reprise in our memory some of the things that happened. Remember the elders of Israel had approached Samuel. They wanted a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations around them. And so Samuel went to the Lord in prayer, and he said, Lord, here's what the people are asking for, and I know it grieves your heart, it grieves my heart, and God says, look, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me, 
And so we need to remember that this demand of Israel to have a king was not made in haste. It seems like it in the narrative of 1 Samuel, but Israel had been walking away from God and away from God's laws for a long time. And now the Lord is in a situation where he's going to make the best of a bad thing. And so he is going to give Israel what they have asked for. He's going to give them a king, and his name is Saul. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, sometimes we ask for things we shouldn't ask for, and sometimes we get things we find out we really didn't want. But, Lord, we thank you that in your grace you do send us good and perfect gifts. Some of them are sent to teach us things along with the blessings that you bring. And, and Saul is like that. He, he taught the children of Israel many things, but he also brought blessing as well as harm to your people. And so, Lord, as we continue to study your word, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would help us to, to learn lessons for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin, we, we uh, begin, we find that we, a man who is searching for lost donkeys. Verse 1, there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. So those Hebrew words, a mighty man of power, denote that Kish was a man that was a mighty warrior, but he was also a man with great influence and wealth. So he is definitely a rock star in Israel, if you would. In verse 2, he goes on, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than all the people. Saul's name is interesting. The name Saul means requested. Isn't that interesting? Israel had requested a king, and so the requested one is now going to be sent to them to answer that request. Saul, we find out, is handsome. So he's a good-looking guy, and he is tall, head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. It's interesting that Saul is the one that is picked to be king because we can tell already that Saul is a man that's going to command respect from the people of God, isn't he? And he also would be the type of king that the people would want. Because remember, their, their big enemy, they were the Philistines. And remember, the Philistines had a few choice warriors that were giants. One of them, we know his name, Goliath. And we know he had four brothers. So they had some big warriors, big fighters in the bad guy's army. And so now our king is big. And he's going to lead us out into battle against these Philistines. So 
Saul would be just the type of person that Israel would be looking for in a king. But later, they will find out that all the things that they're looking for in a king, they are none of the things that God is looking for in a man to rule over his people. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, just a few chapters from now, we read God's description to Samuel when he is now going to seek out the second man who will be king over God's people. And God says this to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks at the outward, uh, rather the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We look externally, but God is looking internally. Verse 3, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, please take one of your servants with you and arise and go look for the donkeys. Saul is a man who has all the markings of being someone great, doesn't he? He has a lot of potential going for him. And what does his father have him doing? Chasing some lost donkeys. Think about that. Instead of doing something great, his talent is being wasted on a job. Think about this. That that servant that he brings along with him is fully capable of doing without him. So why does he have to go with his servant on such a menial task? Sam is a man, Sal rather, is a man with a lot of talent, a lot of potential, a lot of qualifications that are being wasted. Think about it this way. You've got Babe Ruth on your baseball team. The bases are loaded, and you tell Babe, go up to the plate. I don't want you swinging to the ball. You're going to bunt the ball. What a waste of talent at right the specific time when it's needed. Have you ever felt like this in your life? Think about that. Are you living far below your potential right now? Are your talents being wasted, perhaps? If so, you're in good company. What were donkeys in the ancient world? Think about it. What were donkeys in the ancient world? They are beasts of burdens, if you will. They're the old, rusty pickup trucks on the farm. That's all they are. They carry the burdens of other people from place to place. And sometimes, you and I, we need to carry the burdens of others in order to fill God's purposes in our own lives. I love what Galatians 6, 2 says. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And if you think about it, a donkey's value was less than a horse and less than an ox. So Saul is sent on a mission to bring back something which will profit someone else. And there are some times in your life and my life 
when our destiny is actually dependent upon our willingness to help others succeed before we see an increase in our own lives. That was the situation that Saul was in. Verse 4, so he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find him. Then they passed through the lands of Salim, and they were not there. Then they, he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find him. When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with them, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. So Saul has looked in three different sites, and he hasn't found the donkeys at all. They are completely lost. Can you relate? Yeah, if you've been looking for a job recently, you go to one interview, dead end. Another interview, dead end. Another interview. It seems like all opportunities can just disappear in our lives. Everything seems to be falling apart. And that's what happens. Everything in Saul's chase, everything in our pursuits can come to a dead end in a town called Zuff. It's a place where all our efforts has been wasted. It ends up in Zuff. And that's where Saul ends up. And it's that place, Zuff, where Saul wants to give up. He wants to quit. He wants to go home. You and I, we've all been in Zuff, haven't we? We've all been to that place in our lives, different times in our lives, where we have wanted to give up. It's over. We have tried and tried. It's when your life is ready to collide out of control, when your dreams have died, when your purposes have no more promise and all your desires have disappeared. That's when you end up in a town called Zuff. Everything came to a crash. And when did that happen? When you were doing something so foolish as chasing donkeys. Wow. But Zuff can also be the place where God's promises can begin to bloom. It's there that we can find pathways that lead to God's higher purposes and promises for our lives. Let's look at verse 6. And he, the servant, said to him, Saul, Look now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Is it possible that this failed donkey chase can actually be the very means of finding the right way. And I want you to notice something. Sometimes wonderful help can come from the most unlikely places and unlikely people. Look at verse 6 again. Look what this servant says. Look now, there is in this city a man of God, 
and he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass, so let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. It's an unknown servant. He's unnamed, yet he has a wonderful idea, doesn't he? And next we're going to find that some unknown and unnamed young women will give them further directions. And you know what? The Bible, if you think about it, is filled with no-named people which help others find blessings and goodness of God's purposes for their lives. Who were those servants that filled the water pots at the wedding in Cana? Who were the 300 soldiers that were with Gideon in the battle? Who was that little servant girl who told Naaman the leper, there's a prophet in Israel that can heal you from leprosy? And what was the name of that little boy who gave up his lunch so that 5,000 people could be fed one day? All of them are no-named people which helped others to find the blessings and the goodnesses of God's purposes. And you see, it's often through the difficulties and even the disasters of our lives that become the very means by which God can bring about his purposes. So this this donkey chase, if you will, actually is propelling Saul toward his destiny. But he doesn't even know it yet. Let's go on. Verse 7. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone. And there is no present to bring the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at, at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver, and I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer, for he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. seer. Then Saul said to his servant, well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. So prophets and seers were the same thing. And they called prophets seers formally. Today our, we would call it a prophet. But in early years they called them seers. Why? Because they were able to see and discern things of God they had wisdom and understanding from God that other people didn't have. So they would call them a seer or a prophet. So now they're seeking for the seer. Verse 11, as they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water. And they said to them, is the seer here? And they answered them and said, yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry now. For today he will come to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. 
And as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. So they went up into the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. And now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may serve my people from the or, yeah, save my people from the hand of, of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. Now I find it fascinating that God tells Samuel the day before he meets Saul that Saul is going to come in contact with the man that he has chosen to be Israel's next king. He didn't tell him that morning. He told him the day before that tomorrow you're going to come in contact with a man who I have anointed and destined to be Israel's first king. You know, that reminds me of God's faithfulness, his wisdom, his sovereignty, and so you and I are standing here on New Year's Day at the threshold of a whole new year. And we don't know what those tomorrows are going to bring. We don't know the opportunities, the difficulties, the struggles. We don't know anything about the tomorrows that are ahead of us. But the God we serve, he knows everything about every one of our tomorrows. So we don't know what 2023 holds for us, but we know him who holds 2023 and will be with us and never leave us or forsake us in this year. Verse 17, and when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? And Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today and tomorrow, and I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. Now, when it says the high place, this is not a place on a hill for pagan worship. There were specific places that Samuel had where he had a, a, a place consecrated where he would offer sacrifices for the people of God to Yahweh. So this is, this is a sanctified high, high place, if you will. But Samuel wants to have dinner with Saul, and he says, I'm going to have dinner with you before I'm going to reveal to you all of the things that are God's plans for you. Verse 20, but as for the donkeys that you were, that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found, 
and on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on your father's house? So Saul is told, look, don't worry about your father's donkeys. They've been found. But that his coming to Zuf has a far greater purpose in God's plans than he has ever been able to imagine. Your being here in Zuf, Samuel is saying, is not about donkeys any longer. It's about God's plans and purposes for your destiny. They were simply the means by which God used to get you to the place of his purpose. And he tells him, on whom is all the desire of Israel? The nation, of course, and Saul knew this, was desiring a king. So Samuel was kind of hinting to Saul about what he would be talking to him about. Verse 21, and Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my father, the least of the fam or my family, the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why then do you speak like this to me? So, if you think about it, Benjamin was indeed the smallest tribe in Israel. It was the smallest tribe, and Benjamin, remember, he was the youngest of the twelve sons of Jacob. And if you really remember, in Judges chapter nineteen, it's kind of a gross story. But Benjamin almost gets completely wiped out as a tribe. There's a civil war, and Benjamin is down to just a few hundred people in the whole tribe. So Saul is right. He's from the smallest tribe in Israel. In verse 22, we look at him securing God's favor. Now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall and had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. There were about 30 persons, and Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, set it apart. What must have been going through Saul's head at this dinner? I mean, think about it. His head had to be just swimming. First, he's searching for the seer, and he actually finds him. Next, he's told, you're going to have a meal with me by the seer, and not only are we going to dine together, but you are going to be the honored guest. So Saul is seated at the place of honor at the table. And he's also told, look, don't worry about it. Your father's donkeys, they've already been found. And now he's sitting there, and they place before him the best part of the meal. God can get us exactly where he wants us to be without one ounce of help from us. He can get us where he wants us. When our dreams fall apart, God is still working. When we've lost all expectations, God is still working. When we can't conceive how things will ever be able to work out again in our lives, God is still working. But obedience is crucial to receiving God's provisions and God's blessings that he wants to bring to us. Verse 24, so the cook 
took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back, it was set apart for you. Eat for until this time it has been kept for you since I said I invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. They rose early. And it was about the dawning of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house saying, Get up, that I might send you on your way. So Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell your servant to go on ahead of us. And he went on, but you stand here a while that I may announce to you the word of the Lord. And that's where our chapter ends. It's kind of a cliffhanger. Makes us want to come back next week and hear what is the word of the Lord. Because we're not going to go into that today. So they're up there at the top of the rooftop, okay? And the rooftops were just simply large patios in that day where the people would go up in the evening because it would kind of cool down. They didn't have air conditionings with thermostats on their walls like we do. But they would go there and just kind of have a chill evening. So Samuel is going to share with Saul that God has chosen him, a man, to be king over his people. And that man is Saul. And the Bible is full, if you think about it, of people looking for one thing and finding themselves smack dab in the midst of a miracle. In fact, I would venture to say, if you thought back on your life, there have probably been many times where you went into a situation with one thing on your mind one thing on your heart, one intent, and found yourself right in the midst of a miracle that you didn't have any idea that would happen. In fact, as I looked back in my life, some of my greatest miracles that I have witnessed in my life, I had no idea were going to take place in those moments. You know... A funeral got interrupted one day by Jesus, and a widow's son was raised back to life. There was a demon-possessed man in Gadara, and one day he met Jesus and found out that his chains were now broken, and he was free, and he was healed. The ear one day of a High priest servant named Malchus was cut off by Peter with his sword. And then Jesus reaches down on the ground and picks up that ear and heals it and puts it back and reattaches it to his head. One day, a man laid lame at the gate beautiful, asking for alms. He had no idea. What was going to take place in his life? He had no idea of the miracle that would happen in that moment. And it's often in the common places, in the mundane 
circumstances of our lives when we, quite frankly, are chasing donkeys around town. Sometimes those places can be painful, but those are the places, those are the Mormon moments when we find God's grace shine through. We can often miss out on miracles. Why? Because we become so disobedient and prideful toward trivial things, little things which God has literally placed before us. But we resent those things. Just like Saul probably resented the fact that he had to go around chasing donkeys. But if we could realize that even in those trivial, mundane, beneath us things that God presents for us, God can still be guiding us. He can still be directing our lives. He can still be orchestrating things. If I could have the worship team come on up at this time. You know, if you think about this story that we've just read in 1 Samuel chapter 9, this story is full of so many unlikely events. That place, Saul, exactly, these unlikely events, rather, place Saul exactly where God wants him to be. And think about what he uses. The donkeys of Kish escape from home, and they can't find them anywhere. Wow. Saul's father doesn't send a servant to go find these donkeys. He sends his son. Then Saul willingly obeys his father, and he goes and follows the instructions that are given to him. And it wasn't until Saul's search comes to an end and he's ready to quit that he's presented with the possibility of meeting a prophet whose name is Samuel. And then Saul's servant is the one who thinks of the idea, hey, there's a prophet in this town. And then they find some other women that are going for water at the well and they know exactly where to point them in the direction of Samuel. And immediately they find Samuel, the prophet, who has been waiting for them just in time for the sacrifices. You see, we all have problems, don't we? But can it be that some of us, some of the problems that we are facing are literally disguised opportunities and miracles that God wants to bless us in this year. They can be pathways to God's greater promises. Sometimes when we think we're chasing donkeys, we find out that we are actually stumbling upon God's divine destiny for our lives. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, when we we are chasing around things, we're dealing with problems and struggles and strife, and Lord, we, we think there's no plan or purpose. Lord, help us to expect the unexpected because we have a God who knows our tomorrows. Lord, help us 
not to grow weary in our waiting because we have a God who knows our tomorrows. Lord, we pray that we would be willing to carry the burdens of others because we, we have a God who knows our tomorrows. Lord, help us have hearts that would want to help other people succeed and increase in their life and in their ministry because we have a God who knows our tomorrows. And Lord, help us to walk in love, in faith, and humility because you are a God who knows all of our tomorrows. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we by faith begin this new year, we have the opportunity to do so with our hearts and minds focused on the cross, communion. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In communion, even as we're focusing on the body and the blood of Christ, there's a, a commissioning beyond our experience of the, the intimacy that, that we share with the Lord at this table. There's a directing of our hearts and our minds to look out beyond ourselves. This, this supper Christ has invited us to, it's, it's not only for us, it's a reminder also to go, to live what we've learned in the context of this morning, to put into practice the very things that we've just been encouraged and exhorted about uh, by Pastor Steve as we've looked at 1 Samuel chapter 9, to take the reality of Christ's life in us and share it with those that he will place and has placed in and around our lives. Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26. He writes, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. From our, from our taking communion, as we're about to, there's a sense of our calling to go and tell beyond, obviously, the, the, the proclamation, the declaration that's made simply by partaking of these elements that in and of itself speaks to Jesus' death until he returns. But, but I think for us this morning, there's, there's something of how that's to be reflected in our lives, our living, and our, our understanding and taking on that commission to, to go to the world, out beyond this building, beyond our, our seats. For each of us, no doubt, uh, today there's things right now that we're either we're worried about or we could be distracted by things that we're thinking about, maybe wrestling with in the context of this morning's message. Um, There's a choice to be made in turning away from our problems, in turning away from our struggle. Really, we could 
boil it down to in turning away from self um, and placing our eyes on Jesus. And communion really affords us that opportunity. Choosing to trust not only that he's in control, but that he intends to work through those circumstances that are a struggle to our hearts and minds right now. That he intends to work through them to bring about his best in our lives. As we purpose to trust God for, to, to see and to live in God's, God's destiny for our lives, even in the painful places, again, like we spoke about this morning, the, the chasing after the donkeys, may we do so from the foot of the cross as we partake in communion. And this morning, there should have been a, a cup on your chair, and as you pull back the first layer of... Uh, plastic. There's uh, a way for a piece of bread there. The cross reminds you and I that not only are we redeemed, but that we're also released into ministry, God's calling and purpose on our lives. Paul speaks to this in his letter to the Philippians in a way that I think is especially helpful here at the, at the end of one year, the close of 2022, and the beginning of a new year, 2023. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The cross offers us forgiveness, freedom from the past, guilt and shame, and it commissions us into the future. It presses us to share what Christ has done in our lives to live that before others, but also to tell, to tell others that by his blood we have been set free. The body and the blood of Christ, they declare forgiveness. As the book of Hebrews tells us, the blood of Jesus, it speaks better things. Not condemnation, but restoration. So this morning as we take communion, we remember those words of Christ found in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And, and he took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them, the disciples, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take the bread, remembering Christ's body that... that Jesus came and that his body was broken. You, you may even break the bread in your hand to remember that, that his, his hands were pierced, his feet, his side, his brow, impressed with those thorns as he bore the curse for us, our shame and guilt. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless this bread, this representation and reminder of your love manifest for us in your Son and at the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly laid down your life for us, that you were broken in our place, 
that we might be made whole. And so we pray that you would bless this bread as we take it now. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread. Chapter 22 of Luke, verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. And what the blood represents, the, the wine that is a picture of it, juice, grape juice we have, it reminds us that our past is just that. It's the past. It's forgiven. That our God chooses to not only forgive, but also to forget that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But he's not called us to experience and celebrate that in a vacuum and unto ourselves. He's called us to go, to go and to tell. And I think that as we begin this new year celebrating communion, it's an opportunity for us to do so, remembering that the freedom, that the blessing, that the grace, that the gift of life that we've been given is not for us alone. The, the considering how God's working in our lives today, even through the difficult, the mundane, the things that we would rather get away from, that maybe that's not just an opportunity for us to grow, learn, and mature, but that he wants to use us in it to share his truth and his life and his love with those around us. And so as we receive the cup, we want to remember that this, this is not only forgiveness for us, but it's also liberation into the life that he's called us to and wants us to live following his son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we thank you for the cup and we pray that you would bless it this morning. As we hold it in our hands, Lord, we, we recognize that through death comes life, through sacrifice, offering. Jesus, that you, the, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, the, the Lamb without spot or blemish, you willingly took our place that we might be forgiven. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Lord, there's, there's so much wrong in our lives. Thank you that we can bring that before you. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Knowing that you freely forgive. Thank you, Jesus. We... praise you. We pray that you would bless this cup as we remember. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Father, we thank you. Thank you for what this cup represents. Jesus, thank you that in your death we live. 
Thank you, Jesus, that as your blood is shed, we are freed from the bondage of sin. I pray that our eyes, our hearts would be open to all that you have for us. Lord, that, that we wouldn't miss any of it. God, but that uh, even as our lives belong to you, that we would yet further surrender our hearts to you, saying yes to what you have for us, not resenting any of it, God, but, but recognizing that you are a God who redeems everything in our lives. And we want to trust you for that and pray that in this new year, God, we would be a people that embrace your calling moment by moment and day by day on our lives. Lord, that we would shine for you, your, your light and your glory, that they would flow through us to a world that so desperately needs to hear of your hope and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.